That prayer by King David, which appears at the end of Psalm 19, is often used to open a sermon. It lets the listeners know what point of the service we've reached. We've come to the time when the minister, me, Kate, stood here at the front, is going to give you the message. Or at least try and share something of what I understand. Trying to bring something of God's word alive to the congregation and to encourage them to choose to live God's way. John the Baptist, it would seem, takes a slightly different approach from your typical minister, vicar, priest, pastor. He hits them with a big stick. He says to them, you brood of vipers. Now, in my experience, name calling doesn't usually get you anywhere. And I'm not sure how many of you would stay sat here if I just came up and called you names. You might be heading for the door. Other than that, you might be shouting names back at me. And I don't want that to be happening much. Mm. Yet a crowd in front of John, they take it. They seem to accept what they are hearing. And that's because there's something about him. There's just something about John the Baptist. About his bearing. About his presence. About the authority of this ill-kempt preacher. Which not only holds the audience, but it gathers them from afar. They come to see this strange character and to hear the powerful word that he longs to bring. And the listeners in this passage seem to fall into three groups. The crowd can be taken as predominantly the mainstream Jewish society. The people that go about their normal daily business, the husbands and the wives, the young people with them, the people who work in the fields, those that are in the town. Whoever they are, they gather as a crowd. But then there are other Jews that are also there. People that live in the towns and villages, but are often rejected by those that live around them. These are the tax collectors, who were well known as collaborators and also swindlers. They asked for more than was due, and they put it in their pockets and kept it for themselves. And then thirdly, there are soldiers. Now these may have been Gentile Romans, or perhaps Judeans serving Herod. But either way, they're seen as an occupying force, even if they were born in that country. They are people who are exercising the edicts of what was a foreign ruler. Yet despite this wide disparity of groupings, 
these wide variety of people, people from towns and villages, soldiers, tax collectors, people that would have nothing to do with others. Each one knew that in the message of God that the Baptist brought, there was a preciousness that they desired. There was something truly valuable that they wanted to have. And so they came and they put up with the name calling and being told that they were wrong. This odd bunch of folk, doesn't matter who they were, John welcomed them. And he spoke with them. We are welcomed into the presence of God, whoever we are. Whatever we've done, whatever our job is, whatever we've done in the past. God loves us and he'd like us to know more of him and of his ways. He welcomes us with love. Just as John welcomed those who were trying to turn to God's ways. And as each person approached John, they asked the question, what should we do? That seems a very sensible question, and one that we too need to ask. How should we live right? What is it that we need to be doing? And the responses that John gave were interesting. The, the soldiers were not told to take off their uniform and lay down their arms. The tax collectors were not told to resign from working for the government. The crowd were not told that simply by taking an offering to the temple that they would be right with God. Instead, they were all told that the way of God requires them to be kind, to act with justice, not to be greedy anymore, but if you have something of use, share it with others. Do not take what is not yours. Do not lie or threaten people. Never abuse the power that has been entrusted to you. And this is the same message that they should have known. It's the message of old. It's the direction that was given by the prophets and given by the law. But they needed to hear it again. It's the message that we find in Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, where the prophet says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The message was well known. It was also widely ignored. But now there is a yearning among the people to actually listen, to repent, and to have new life entered into through baptism. 
with his authoritative words and his calling to the Lord's way, many thought that this must simply be the Messiah. The one long promised, the anointed one, the one that the prophets spoke of. But he was not. And the Baptist tells them, there's going to be something more. There's going to be something greater than they are experiencing now. There's something besides this baptism of water. Someone greater is coming. John, without naming his cousin, speaks of Jesus. And as he does, there's an appropriate modesty of self and an adoration of the Christ. One who is more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Now, of course, it would have been the lowest of the lowly servants who would have taken off the sandals in preparation for foot washing. But John says, you know, for this person, I'm not worthy to do that. The Baptist is truly humble. And we should similarly consider the Son of God this way. He is due the utmost respect. Yet Jesus wants to be our friend. Jesus came and dwelt among us. He walks alongside us. And even takes the place of the suffering servant. He is the servant king that we've just sang of. He is the servant who in Jerusalem, in an upper room, takes off his jacket, wraps the towel around his waist to be able to wash his followers' feet. This one that we are not worthy to untie the straps of the sandals actually bends down and undoes our shoes and takes them off and soaks them and makes them clean. And the following day from that washing of his disciples in meekness carried the cross taking the weight of our sins upon his shoulders dying because he loves us dying that we might be able to know life in all its fullness John looked to that he looked to the coming of the Christ but he looks beyond it too because he speaks of not just the water baptism that he did but the baptism of the spirit that Jesus will give us the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost when something like tongues of fire were seen to touch the followers and they discovered that they were equipped to be the church and to share the good news of Jesus of how 
that Christ brings forgiveness. We are each called into that place. We can each receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being equipped by him to be the church, to serve in the footsteps of Jesus as servants. But our passage didn't end there, but neither did the word of John the, John the Baptist. He looks further still, beyond even the time that we know now, beyond what we know. And actually, uh, my son almost prophetically gave a clue to that as he put the builder's helmet on earlier and said, you know, the builder might see Jesus. He might come today. We don't know when it will be. Might be some point, another couple of thousand years yet. But there will be a day, as we prepare in this Advent for Christmas, there will be a day when Christ will come again. And we need to prepare ourselves for that. It will be a day when he will gather up the followers and the wheat and the chaff will be separated. John may have started off declaring the people a brood of vipers, but he is saying that for the followers, there's a real hope in our lives. But if we're going to have real lives with Christ, it means being loving. In the run-up to Christmas, as we approach a time that we think of that gift of love, as we think of the stable scene and the Son of God coming to earth, born in humble surroundings, we do well to reflect on the word of the prophets and the message of John the Baptist. It's not about doing the big celebration. It's not about the size of the presents for our family. It's not about being persuaded by advertisements or running up a big credit card bill. This season is about discovering God's love for us. Whatever hat we wear, whatever clothes we wear, whatever we do. It's about having our hearts renewed with love for God and love for others. And with that in mind, may each day the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to the Lord. Amen.